0: Welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast, brought to you by Balaguer Guitars. Founded in 2014, Balaguer Guitars strives to bring modern aesthetics and options to vintage-inspired designs. Go to balaguerguitars.com for more info. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Fishman, inspired performance technology. Fishman is dedicated to helping musicians of all styles achieve the truest sound possible, wherever and whenever they plug in. Go to fishman.com for more info. And now your host, A.L. Levy. Welcome to
1: the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast. I am A.L. Levy, and with me is one of my favorite heroes in the music industry. It's Mr. Blasco. How are you doing, sir?
2: <laughs> You're very kind. You're very kind. Thanks. Thanks for being
1: here. If uh, I'm sure you guys have heard of him, but if you haven't, for the three of you who haven't, plays bass in Ozzy Osbourne, has played with Rob Zombie and Danzig. He's a co-owner of Mercenary Management that represents Blackville Brides and uh, Zach Wild. Basically, I have known him, and this is crazy to say, for 10 years now, and uh, always has something new going on, something cool. One of the most interesting and entrepreneurial dudes I know in this industry, and uh, I think it's very, very cool that you're here, and I'm excited to pick your brain. Can you believe that it's been 10 years since that Ozfest, though?
2: It seems like longer. Like I feel like I should know you for longer than 10 years. But yeah, man, wow, and and yeah, in two of and, uh, you know, in tune of my entrepreneurial spirit, it's like it's out of necessity, right? Like I'm like, you know, if like sharks sink if they don't keep swimming and like, that's where that comes from. Cause it's like, I don't have like, you know, I don't have a, a fallback plan, <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no plan B or anything. It's kind of like, this is it, man. So I got to keep, I got to keep up. I got to keep reinventing. I got to keep moving forward because I'm, you know, I'm afraid of sinking.
1: I remember you telling me a few years ago that no matter where you feel you could get to you would always feel like it's a house of cards and that at any point it could go away and that that keeps you invested in the game
2: yeah I mean I mean dude we're we're in the music business I mean think about all the things that we've already seen come and go my fucking car doesn't even have a CD player in it you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> that's crazy. And it's like, and I remember, because it's like in Cryptic Slaughter, you know, we were we were putting out records in the 80s. And I remember whenever our third record was coming out and Slagle, Brian Slagle from Metal Blade Records was like, oh, okay, guys, check it out we've got this new thing that this record's coming out on. It's a like CD. It's a compact... And we're like, there's no way anyone's going to get hip to this shit because it's like, look how small the artwork is. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like that, that was like... That was our perspective of like because the artwork was so much smaller that no one would be into it, right? It had nothing to do with convenience or, you know, any of that. It was just kind of like cassettes are convenient and they're smaller. You know what I mean? It's just like... And they got, and they're still two-sided and it's like, but you know what I mean? So just think of that, like cassettes have come come and gone, vinyl, you know, come and gone and then come back and then CDs are going away. Like, you know what I mean? And just, I mean, that's just the, the platform. But I mean, think about all the bands, all the managers, all the musicians, you know what I mean? That we've seen come and go, man. It like this business is a house of cards.
1: It is absolutely a meat grinder too. I'm wondering, since you've seen so many changes, have you noticed that Every single time one comes up, people act like the sky is falling?
2: Yeah, man. I think or is
1: it now more than ever?
2: Yeah, I think that there's something to that, for sure. You know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's it just seems like now it's like it's there's there's a, a constant state of reinvention. You know what I mean?
1: Well, and I've noticed, like I said earlier, that um, you've always got something new going on. Always something interesting and always some sort of, I don't want to say it's not a hustle, but like it keeps the hustle alive. And I'm wondering if you were always like that.
2: No, maybe I was. You know what? That's a good question. I don't even know that I've ever kind of thought about that. I mean, there was something about like, I remember like having shitty jobs and I always remember thinking like, there's something more for me out there. Like I'm not like, this isn't the rest of my life. The rest of my life isn't selling used clothes to fucking assholes. Right. Like it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just not like, and, and, and like, and, and there was always just like this innate just undercurrent of a, of a feeling to where I go, man, there's, you know, there, there's something else out there. So like, I was always, I never gave up. You know, I was, always, I was always striving to be a successful musician. That was, I mean, that was the inception of everything that I've pursued to now all starts with wanting to be a successful musician, right? And, I, and, and because, and I think a lot of that stems from the fact that I got such an early start. I mean, like, you know, like in metal, like you, who gets a record deal at 15 years old and then is put out, Three albums by the time they graduate high school. It's a bit of an unfair advantage, but it was also, it also kind of poisoned my mind into thinking like, fuck man, I can just continue to do this shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And then, and then, and then you move out of your parents' house and you go into real life and you just go like, wow, was this is a lot harder than I thought it was if I got to actually try and make money at this fucking business, you know? Cause it's like early on, it's like cryptic slaughter. It's like, we all lived at home. We were all in high school. Like it didn't matter. Like cryptic slaughter, like wasn't about making money. Because we didn't need any, and then when you realize, like, oh wait, this is a business. Fuck, man, I gotta like, <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta like, I gotta reinvent my thought process. You know.
1: I mean that that uh, changes things a little bit. I'd say, <laughs> to for say sure. the least,
2: for sure. So
1: well, I mean you, that feeling of um, there's something out there for me that's not this. There's something bigger or better. I mean. Let's be real, you've kind of done things with your career that lots of people would have been like, okay there's nothing bigger than this point right here like if it ended here, that's fine because there's nothing bigger, like do you still have that feeling?
2: Uh man it's so it's like there was this moment when I joined Ozzy's band when I definitely felt that way of like I've reached the pinnacle like I've like from the the 16 year old dude playing in a garage in Santa Monica you know speed metal and shit like from that guy going to the guy that's on arena stages playing crazy train and paranoid with the guy you know, the reason why we're all here, even talking now, like to go from that guy to this other guy. When I got there, I was like, wow, this, this is really the end of the road. Like I've, I've, (laughs) I've reached, I've reached the, I've reached the end. Like I have, I have nowhere left to go. And I definitely do not want to be I definitely don't want to be the, that guy that ends up just slugging it out in clubs. You know, like, like I feel like as a musician anyway, I go, okay, this is where I transition into business. Right. It's like, and that was, and that was the exact moment when I started my own management company is when I joined Ozzy's band because I was like, well, as a musician, this ends. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I got to. I knew that I wanted to still be in music though. Like my love and my passion for music was there, but I didn't feel like my career as a 50 year old, you know, musician or 60 year old musician hired gun guy was going to be my future. You know, I was like, well, I've done that and now I got to figure out what's next. And like I said, that's whenever I started managing because I needed, I needed to segue and, and start to, F- you know, f- fill in the gaps of the next phase of my career.
1: Well, at some point, Ozzy is actually going to retire.
2: Yeah, and 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 my goal was with him. My goal was that I retire when he retires, right? Like mm-hmm. like on his Wikipedia page, like I'm the dude that you know, I'm I'm that last bass player guy that just you know go, goes down when he goes down.
1: Not a bad goal, right? You know, and I fi- yeah. <laughs> I,
2: I, I, I figured like you know, it's like that as a musician, like that's, that's good, man. Like that, that's good to end it there. Like, I don't need to keep, I don't need to keep grinding, man. I don't need to keep slugging it out, you know, and, and no offense to the guys that do, I'm just saying that wasn't for me. You know, that, that wasn't, that wasn't what, at that point, that was my realization that I don't want to be that guy.
1: Well, yeah, I think that uh, I want to, pause on that for a second. Um, the fact that you realize that you didn't want to be that guy. And as long as I've known you, you've always seemed like a pretty happy dude. And uh, you know, this is an industry that's not just a house of cards, but there's a lot of miserable people in it. And I, I think that uh, you know, and this could uh, me be me just reading into it, but I feel like that self-awareness that, you know, you know who you are and you knew I don't want to be that guy who's playing clubs at 60. I don't want to be a session guy after this. I know what I want. I don't know. I feel like, it, do you feel like that self-awareness has kind of led to you having generally a good time at this game?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm still having a good time. You know, I'm not, I'm not. Man, you know, you've seen it too, man. There's a lot of bitter people oh, yeah. in this business. And, uh, you know, you, you know, we're lucky because we're, we're not, <laughs> you know, and we could be, you know, we very well could be, you know, and uh, cause you know, we, we've, you know, you and I, we followed similar trajectories you know, in terms of in terms of kind of carving our own way, you know what I mean? But, like, both of us could have easily just been like, oh, it didn't work out for our bands. Now what? Now we're just bitter and, you know, fucking look at everyone else's success and hate them for it, you know? Well, it's
1: what you focus on, right? Like, uh, if, if you go through life enough, you're going to have enough bullshit or enough great stuff to where you could... Choose to focus solely or weigh, or weigh your focus heavily in any direction you want, and uh, you can write your own story. So if you want to write a miserable, bitter story, I mean, the, the ingredients are all there, but uh, I think it's a choice not to. And I also think that self-awareness plays a part in that. For instance, with uh, my band not working out, I was already over being in a band anyways, and I knew that I needed to do something else, uh, same as when I finished doing production. If I was still tricking myself into thinking that I wanted to be in a band, you know, I could be one miserable fuck right now. Yeah. Still thinking about, <laughs> you know, bad record deals or booking agents or whatnot. And why, why do that?
2: Yeah, I mean... It becomes, and yeah, man, like you said, like look, I, I feel like I've got a pretty good energy, and and I've got a positive, you know, outlook when I wake up every day, and I'm stoked to go to work, and that it's my own work. And um, you know I'm up early and I'm grinding, but it's it's my thing, and I'm I'm stoked about that. You know I don't have to I don't have to hustle anything for the man, you know. And I'm stoked about that. And I'm fortunate, and I don't take it for granted. And because you know there's a lot of people that are born into unfortunate situations, and I feel you know I feel very lucky that I, I wasn't, and that I've been given the opportunity to be able to to build this. And so yeah, man, it's it's like you know there's just there is a lot of negative energy and stuff in this business, and it's it's kind of a drag, and you you definitely have to distance yourself from it because it'll drag you down.
1: Yeah, and keep a positive focus alive at all times, which I think sounds kind of hokey, but it's totally not. It's a, it's a lifesaver. I want to talk about when you started managing because I think that that's an interesting transition. You've actually become a prominent manager with elite clients and I think that this is interesting because lots of times you hear about musicians who wanna try their hand at some businessy stuff and you know, not to be a dick, but it's kind of a joke a lot of the times. Did did you have any mentorship maybe from Sharon Osborne or did you just kind of figure it out as you went along? Like how how did you how did you figure this out? Because I think that the failure rate is pretty high for musicians who go into business.
2: Yeah. And I mean, one thing to consider was it just didn't fall into my lap, right? Like I knew that I didn't want to be a musician forever. Uh, I was content with where I was in that aspect of my life. And I knew I needed to move into something else to, to build a career, a, I knew it I knew that I wanted to continue to be in music. So, you know, you just you know, like in business, right? It's called pivot. And you know, there was a couple of false starts that I had to pivot into something else. So, out of the gate whenever I made this decision of like, you know, wanting to build a secondary career elsewhere in the music business, I initially kind of thought like, man, I really love like recording bands and, and, you know, maybe I want to get into production and stuff. Right. But like at that point, like it was the realization that, um, like a quote unquote producer guy, like a Rick Rubin thing, those guys were becoming dinosaurs. And I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't, I wasn't locked into that world enough Deep enough yet, you know what I mean? So I was like, and and then, and then my engineer skills were like super weak, and like everyone was light years ahead of me in Pro Tools and everything, and and I, you know what I mean? Like I, I really kind of explored that for a while till I came to the realization of like. This is not. This is not a career. Like there's too many people in front of me.
1: You're actually an impressive producer. Let me just say, because uh, I know that me and you have worked on some music at at times, and uh, just you telling me what to do, idea wise, you know, taking that producer role was very effective. That you're good. You're better at it than a lot of guys I know who have all the technical skills in the world. Just. Saying.
2: Yeah, I mean, hey, look, thanks, and and like, I do feel like there is some value there, like in terms of like, like I said, like a Rick Rubin type of a producer. I feel like there is a skill level there that I have, and I do love doing it, man. Fuck, look, honestly, man, if I could be in the studio with bands all day and helping with arrangements and and and, and getting the best vocal takes and 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 working on melodies and and that, that if I could get a job paying me what I need to get paid doing that, that'd be fucking awesome. But there isn't. <laughs> so <laughs> so so I pivoted into what I thought maybe was gonna be more of like an AR type type of role. Uh, and then I quickly realized that um Those guys were becoming dinosaurs too, and and once again, I wasn't I wasn't deep enough into that situation um, to where anyone would, you know, necessarily like I didn't have a track record of of finding and signing successful bands, right? You know, as the labels started to develop war rooms and like clip all these guys that had high salaries and stuff, I was like, man, this. You know this is this is a dead end. So anyway, so then I pivoted into what I go, I go practically. I go well, the strength of a manager kind of relies on his Rolodex, if you will, right? Like his connections, his um, his reputation, and I go. You know, my reputation is relatively intact. I've I, I've I've had you know record deals and been in the business and have a lot of friends and a lot of uh, you, you know a lot a lot of business uh, associations. And I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a uh, I'm gonna give a shake, you know, get, try my hand at, at at management or whatever. It just kind of practically seemed like the the right business move to do and that's what I did um, there was no real mentorship however Sharon did come into play whenever our f- she enabled like the first clients because there was a thing at the time called Battle for OzFest which I think was like on MTV or whatever and it was I remember that yeah Yeah. and it was like this reality show thing for the people that don't know it was like a bunch of bands got in this survivor like kind of situation and the winner got to be on OzFest that year or something right but so so it was a while ago and I kind of forgot how it all kind of fell into place but we ended up with the with the, the the runner up band, and that was what started my career because it's like, look, you're only a manager if you have a client, right? Like you're only a like you can be a manager, you can say you're a manager, but you just got to have someone to actually manage. So. She enabled the situation to where she was like, oh, and here's this band, and then we got them a record deal, and and you know all that sort of transpired or whatever, and then that segued into other things and building a relationship with Century Media, where you know I had signed other bands and and whatnot. But so so I guess it was a semi mentorship thing, whereas like she enabled the first client, which then triggered all the others.
1: I think that. What's interesting to note though is that um, while the situation you were in facilitated client one, what I've always said to people is connections, all they do is open a door. And this is true, like if all the way down to if you're, you know, the kid, the rich kid whose dad knows an entertainment attorney. Who knows, like the owner of a label, you know, to the situation you just described, the connections will open the door, but they definitely will not keep you in the room. Uh, To stay in the room, it's all what you do once the door is open.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, that's true. I mean, you, you you have to, you got to get in there, and you got to start proving yourself because at some point people will get tired of you like when they see your number you know pop up or whatever like oh here's this dude calling me for a favor again you know you 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 got to you've got to build it up to where you can repay favors and that has to be your agenda like you know from the get go you have to go like okay cool like i know i'm going to slug it out for a minute but I my agenda has to be to where I can call those people back and repay those favors sooner than later because eventually you're just gonna like you know tag yourself out of the situation if you're not turning things around uh, in your favor. It's interesting
1: that you put it that way about the returning favors, and it's interesting to me that very few people do that sort of thing, and the ones who do, strangely enough. Happen to be the guys that I've known the longest, and it's not even a, uh, you know, this like it's calculated, but it's not. I don't, I don't know how to say it. Like it's like not like this, this fake thing where uh, you feel like you're being bought. It's just that you know that your friend or your contact actually is thinking of you, and when something comes up they're actually try to help you out and that's what it feels like like trying to help you out not so much being bought and I feel like uh that authenticity is something that when people are trying to say networking is important and your social skills are important in this business sometimes they forget to mention how important it is to actually come off as authentic with this stuff. Yeah. It's hard to even describe properly for me. But you know the difference, right? Like when of course you do, when uh, when you feel like someone's just trying to buy you with favors.
2: Yeah, I mean I think it's a matter of, of perspective too. Like a lot of times you gotta approach someone in it like what's in it for them. Because I mean mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you how many emails I get. And I'm sure that you get them too. And it's always formatted in a way to where what what's in like how they benefit, not how I benefit. It's like if you're coming at me and I have something that you want, like you better tell me how it benefits me. If you're only telling me how it benefits you. What's my motivation? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I get these emails all the time. Like, oh man, like we'd really love a tour with one of your bands. Like it would really help us out. And like, yeah, I'm sure that maybe it would, but what the fuck do I care, man? Like, what? Like, you know what I mean? No offense, but it's just like, this is business, man. Like, what are you going to do for me? You know?
1: Man, I'm just thinking about how funny that is. Like, we would love a tour with Zach Wilde, in case you didn't know. Could you hook that up, please?
2: (laughs) Right. And that's the kind of shit that I get on a daily basis, you know, like all, all the time, you know, or just like, and even if it just kind of like generically, you know, but, but I guess my broad stroke point is it's like, if you don't have anything to offer, then you shouldn't be hitting up people that have something to offer you yet, you know, like like, like you're not ready, like you're not ready to start. I mean, I get it. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're living in the world of social media and like, I'm excited. You can hit me on Instagram. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're relatively easy to find types of people. Right. And so like, because we're out there, it's easy just to put together an email and just kind of throw it out there and go, Oh, fuck it. I'll just email them like, you know, whatever. But like, but don't waste everybody's time, including your own. Like if, if, You know what I mean? Like, it's like, man, you gotta, there has to be a balance. You know what I mean? Don't just fucking like it, because it's like you're, you're, you're developing bad habits early on whenever you're just reaching out to people that you think have something to give you, but you're not offering anything in return.
1: Well, okay. So, conversely, what is a way to get your attention?
2: I mean, it depends, it depends what you're looking for, right? But in the event that, say, someone's looking for a tour, right? Like, come at me with, your stats come at me with what is you you know what you can bring to the table you know it's like so much times like it's like oh we're just looking to this we're just looking to get on one of your tours because it's like you know that'll really help us you know that'll really help us you know get us in front of people Uh, I'm like okay well but (laughs) like that so what you know what I mean so I, I think that it's one of those things like where you gotta like be like we've done x y and z we've accomplished we've sold x amount of records out of our trunk we've you know we've played with so and so bands you know what i mean like we we we've we've sold x amount of merch it's like it's like it's like look if if we're talking about like touring or whatever touring's a business like i told someone recently like touring's a business and like the value that you bring to a booking agent or to a tour is the fact that you sell tickets that cuz that's the only currency that we're talking about when it's when there's shows right like when it's a tour or shows or whatever it's like you got to be worth tickets. And if you're not worth tickets, then you're not ready to be on a tour yet. Like, and and then, and then you know, you get these crybabies that are like, oh, well, how do we do that? Like, if we don't play in front of people, we can't be worth anything. And, and it's like, the, you know what I mean? Like the snake's eating its fucking tail or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but other people have done it. You know, like, like it can be done, but you got to grind. You got to get out there. And I know I use the, 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 the the phrase that no one likes to hear, but like hard work, man. Like it's like, you got to get out there. You got to grind. Like no one's going to do you a favor. Like I'm not knocking on your door going, Hey man, I got this great opportunity for you. No, like it doesn't, it, it unfortunately doesn't work that way. It's like, Other bands have created their own value, whether they start their own record label, they go out there and they tour on their own, they, they, you know, they get, you know, they find fans on social media, you know, whatever it is, but they, they, they build up value. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a multitude of ways that that can be done and that could be a whole separate, you know, podcast episode, but the reality is. You got to have some kind of value. And so I don't know, that's a long-winded answer, but th- you know, that's that's just the way Fantastic it is.
1: Fantastic answer. I think that um, it's really really fascinating to me how long it takes people to understand that and how some people never get that ever through their heads. But I can tell you from my own experience that that's been maybe the one thing that has remained consistent in every advancement I've had in my own career has been through, like, every good thing, just about, has been through hooking somebody up over, you know, with something. And I don't mean, like, hooking them up with drinks. I mean, uh, you know, at the bar one night. That never hurts. Mm -hmm. I mean helping them out like bringing them value over time and proving myself to deliver that value over time and to be dependable that's literally been what the the thing that has helped me stay alive in this whole thing
2: yeah I mean it's like no no one it's like you know you have to lead people by example, but also you need to, you know, learn that no one's like, you're no one's any more special than anybody else, right? Like no, no one knocked on your door and said, Hey man, I heard you fucking want to get into producing. Here's this band and here's a budget. Like, that's not how it worked. Like, <laughs> you know, and the same thing with me, I go, okay, cool. Like I, 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 I need to build a secondary career. I'm going to get into management. No one, no one knocked on my door and said, Hey man, I heard you want to start a management company. Like, check it out. Like, here's a Band and and like a, a free record deal and and you know what I mean? It's like no man. Like I had to like you know both of us we had to like reach out to some people. We had to, you know, put our nose to the grindstone and we had to get our hands dirty and we just had to figure it out along the way. And whenever you f- you feel like you're, you know, you're wasting time, you do away with that and you focus on something else. And and it's like, you know, it's an ebb and flow, but you know, it's like, you, you know, you've had just like I've had, we've had different Flows of our career that it's not like we've only done one thing ever. We were doing multiple things at all times, and that's you know for us that's the way it works.
1: You know, I am dreadfully frightened of the situation where you do just one thing. I mean, I know some of those guys who have done one thing their whole career, but that just honestly. First of all, it feels like it would be kind of boring, Boring. but, uh, <laughs> and I don't ever want to be bored, but it also feels kind of scary. Cause, uh, I think that adaptability is like we said earlier is, uh, really important. And, uh, I question how adaptable someone is if they've only done one thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, it's like, not only is it not only is it boring, but like, what are you going to offer? Like, what, what can you, what else can you, I mean, I don't know, man. It's just like, it's just a different business. And I think that there has to be some level of flexibility, at least from my perspective, you know, for like looking at that, uh, you know, looking at me and you, it's like, it's like, this is the way that we're going to survive is by being flexible and, and, uh, and putting ourselves out there. But I mean, I've never, I've never really been given the opportunity to only do one thing. And if that one thing was selling used clothes to people, fuck! I'm glad I, that's not what I ended up doing. <laughs> you know.
1: Well, I mean, speaking of you know adaptability, I would have never guessed that I'd be making better money than ever in my life off of an educational th- uh, venture. Um, I never saw that for myself. I never thought I would enjoy it. First of all, and I never really saw that this like internet education thing would. I you know what I'm saying? Like I didn't see this six years ago.
2: Hey, look as as cliche as it sounds, man, it's not the destination; it's the journey. And we don't know yep. we don't know where this is going to lead us. I mean, yeah, did I get into the business to be in a in a band and and play music? Yeah, I did for sure, and I still do that. But that hasn't been my solo focus for a long time. And, um, you know, if you want a a career, you have to be open-minded, I think. And you've got to be willing to kind of roll with it and put yourself out there. I mean, like, look, I've got... I've got a list of things, like a list of projects, right? That I'm all like that I, I take to certain levels, and some die on the vine, and some get far into execution, and some go all the way to success. But like, I'm always like putting myself out there and trying, you know, the next interesting thing. And like I said, but it's like there's as many failures, well, there's probably more failures than successes, but. This is what we got to do.
1: Well, if you don't mind me bringing something up from like 10 years ago, I remember one thing you tried that didn't work out. And I'd like if you don't mind me bringing that up, I just want to so that we can kind of explain to people what it's like to try something, it not work out and then quickly pivot. I remember you tried doing a coaching thing for a little bit. I actually bought a session from you. And it went really well. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. But, uh, I remember you did that for a little bit. You were coaching band members. This was what? In like 2008?
2: It was in the MySpace days. So what, when was that? You know what I mean? Like however long ago that was.
1: It was after OzFest. Yeah. Oh seven. But it was, I don't know. It was around Oh seven, oh eight, Kind of time period. Sure, sure. Something like that. And, uh, and you did it for a little while, if I remember correctly, and had some clients, and then you just stopped. And uh, I think you explained to me once that you realized that it's uh, there's too much backwards momentum, and it basically the, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because th- this applies to so many things. One of a side hustle that I started, that I pivoted away from quickly when I realized it was not going anywhere, which is interesting because like you just said that you would have never thought that you would be killing it in the educational space, which is where I, what I was doing, you know, when, with that, with that thing, with that, you know, coaching situation, right? Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, for anyone that doesn't know, it was like a, uh, it was, like a, it was like a music uh, consultant kind of thing, right? Where you'd send me your music and like I'd listen to it and, and we'd get on the phone for like an hour. And, and I think the idea of it was is that I'd be like a mentor, like a coach. And you know it would in my mind, the vision of it would be like this sort of reoccurring thing where like we would chat for like an, an hour and then I would give you these tips and things that you would do and then you would do it. And then we would connect then in a week or two weeks later and we would go through all that. And then I would give you the next set. You know what I mean? I think that that was the vision of what it was. Now, unfortunately, um, the reality that I came to was, is that people only call because they thought that I had some magic potion uh, uh, of success, where I would just in one hour I'd be like, "Nope, you got to do X, <laughs> Y, and Z," and then they would do that, and they would be like, "All," and they'd be like, "Oh, oh my God, that was it," and that that's that's not true. So the problem quickly became that that there was no there was no return customers, <laughs> you know, because it was like, "Oh man, I'm going to call this guy," and for like a hundred dollars, he's going to you know give me the keys to the kingdom, and then whenever they realized that wasn't the case, and that they actually had to you know grind it out even if it was strategic grinding they weren't down for it you know and um so I pivoted away from that and and because it was like it was just No one was getting anything out of it. I wasn't getting anything out of it. These people were under false pretenses of what it was about and it wasn't a real thing. So here we are, right? Fast forward. You're in the educational space. I, uh, me and my friend Mike have a a podcast in the educational space. And like, I feel like that's better, right? Because it's like we, you know, we, 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 the expectation is, is low in that we're not trying to make any money from it. We we're two bros that talk about music all the time anyway, so why not just record the shit and let people listen to it? And and that's fine. You know what I mean? I feel I feel like I, I I'm validated now in the educational space and you know, and, and and that's that. I mean, I don't know if that kind of answers it, but that's
1: it does. And by the way, uh, for anyone wondering, the podcast he's referring to is called Managemental, and it's with uh, Mike Maori, uh, who listeners of this podcast will recognize because he's been on. He's a badass manager as well, and it's a it's a really good podcast. Actually, I've listened to a bunch of the episodes, so check it out. Managemental. Podcast,
2: yeah, and and I th- and I think that what we're doing with that podcast that we sort of took from our own, you know, wannabe educational experiences is like, yeah, okay, we're never going to escape the types of people that think we have, you know, some magic keys to the kingdom, right? Those people are always going to exist, and we're never going to, you know, d- distance ourselves from them entirely, right? They they'll listen to an episode or two, and they'll and they'll tag out, so what we did is we're like, okay, well, what are the things that are the most important to them? And the people that are willing to put in the time will continue to listen. And those that won't, you know, won't. And, and, and that's just be it. But we, we, but we structured it in a way to where it's, it's a formatted podcast. It's no more than 30 minutes. And we just focus on one topic and we have people write us, And we we try and we try and engage with them and incorporate their ideas and and as well as what the things that they're most interested in. Uh, I'm not trying to sell anybody on the podcast. I'm just explaining, you know, over the this educational space. We went at the podcast with a a very thought out idea with what the end result was going to be, and people seem to be resonating with it, you know, which is um, you know which maybe is an improvement from our early, you know, attempts at, the, you know, the, the music business educational space.
1: Well, I will try to sell people on it because I think that, uh, I think that people should check it out because it covers a lot of the questions, a lot of the business questions that come up in our private Facebook group or when we do one-on-one calls with people or just, you know, we're always talking to our audience and they always have these recurring business questions and uh, you guys do a phenomenal job of addressing them. It's almost like you're reading their minds. <laughs> well, So, thanks. so yeah, I, 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 will, I will go on record saying that people should check it out. So I've actually got some questions for you from our audience if you don't mind cool. answering some of them. And uh, I'll try not to ask you things that, uh, you know... Have, you've probably answered 8 million times. That's no problem. Here's one from Johnny Ragin. He says, Obviously Rob Zombie is a super, and he's in capital letters, <laughs> a super creative dude. As are many of the people you've worked with. How has working with guys like that shaped your perspective on creativity and art in general?
2: It's been super influential. I mean, Rob Zombie um uh, in particular, you know, my time in that band seeing him be sort of a one-man army, right? Like no one did no one did shit for that guy. Like I mean, and and it's not like you could do it anyway. It's just like he's you know what I mean? He's writing the songs. He's he's making the albums. He's he's doing the album covers. He's designing everything. It's all his vision. Like we, you know what I mean? Like what's someone gonna do? Hey, Rob, like let me help you with your vision. Like that's not how it works. And that guy, like it, it's like it just. Just all the things like designing the stage, like how things are going to work, like sitting there looking over the shoulder of the lighting guy, like programming lights and everything. Like that dude is a complete hundred percent visionary. And you look, look, he puts himself out there a lot, and not, you know, not everybody might be stoked on every single thing that he does or whatever. But man, he's not afraid to put himself out there, and you got to give a lot of respect to that, you know.
1: Well, I see that a lot in what I know of you. You're also not afraid to put yourself out there. And on stuff that I've worked with you on, you've had, you know, a holistic view on where things are going to go. Uh, like, you've had, like, v- like visual ideas, branding ideas, um, how things should go musically. Like, you've had, like, the whole picture in your head. Do you think that working with him helped... Get you, thinking like that, and do you think it's helped you, kind of be a good manager to have the experience of being around someone that's got, you know, the the whole picture in their head.
2: It was inspiring. I think for nothing else. Like it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like I sat down. Like it was. It was like learning by observation, right? And just being inspired by someone that you know just gets up and just. And I mean, it's the same kind of thing, right? I mean, it's like you know, at any point the the bottom could fall out of this situation, you know what I mean? I mean, for him, like, a lot less than me, but still, the point of it is, is like we're all building these foundations on very shaky ground, you know? And and stuff, so it was, um, his whole thing was just really inspirational, I think, you know? More than anything else.
1: All right, here's one from James Patricio Jesus, which is, maybe someone already asked this, but What characteristics do you look for when deciding to manage a band? Also, do you like when bands are persistent to be managed or do you find yourself approaching bands instead?
2: Uh, It works a number of ways. I mean, at this point, like early on... Like I had to, I had no option, right? Because like I was a brand new guy, just like at one point you were a brand new producer. Like you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be calling up no matter, no matter how awesome of a skill level you you were at, you couldn't call fucking Metallica and go like, "Hey guys, I'm your guy to produce your next record." Like you know what I mean? Like you (laughs) you you just you just you just not there yet. You have to work your way up, right? So as a brand new manager, I wasn't going to be hitting up established bands and wanting to manage them no matter how much I thought that I would be a badass the reality is I had to find things that I believed in that I thought were going to put me on the map that I could put help put them on the map and I was going to build a career by building other bands careers right I mean conceptually that's the only way this is going to work I got to find something that no one knows about in the gutter and I got to develop it and I got to make it this thing to where people are like oh wow well, yeah fuck yeah and 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 there was a moment whenever and and, and I trying to make this not sound like I'm patting myself on the back but to me it was a is a visualizing moment whenever I go okay I just put out two records within the course of uh, a few weeks of one another and both those albums were top 40 billboard 200 you know, charting albums. And I go, and those were both bands that I found on the internet. You know what I mean? That no one gave a shit about, no one believed in it. Like I remember shopping the bands and people just going like, dude, these bands suck. This like, (laughs) there's fucking, you have no, you don't even know what you're doing. There's no chance. Right. And then, so, okay. You know what? Fine. I believe in myself. I believe in these bands. Fuck all of you. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. And I did. And there, and then I took both those bands from nothing to something of which they are currently both, you know, projecting even further than that. But that was just that moment when I took these two things and I go, wow, okay. You know, granted, not top 10, you know, not, 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 not number ones, but man, like to me, I go, wow, that was, that was a moment you know for me and so so i guess my long winded point of getting around to it as at this point I'm not really in that mode anymore. Like I'm not looking for things that I've got to build up because it does take a lot of time and a lot of effort and sometimes you know a little bit of money um, to do that. And you got to b- be the favor guy again and stuff. And I'm not I'm not really there. Like I'm I, I, I'm comfortable with my roster that I have. And if I'm gonna add mm-hmm. if I'm gonna add anything to my business, it has to be another business. Like only other businesses can complement my business because at this point I'm not looking into getting into charities. You know what I mean? I'm not I I just I just don't have the time or the energy to put into the and and also too man it's just like we're living in a different world. Like whenever I, I picked up these bands and stuff, like and I developed them like it was pre Spotify. You know? It was pre streaming era. Like we were still putting out CDs in record stores. There's not very many of those anymore and stuff. So it's a a different landscape that um, I'm not really willing to investigate right now.
1: And, dude, and you know what? It's kind of like back to, sorry to cut you off, but kind of back to what I was saying earlier about your sense of self-awareness. Like, it does nobody any favors to take on projects that you're not into anyways.
2: No. And you know, like I said too, man, it's it's just a different it's just a different landscape, you know? I mean, it's 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 tough to break bands now and a lot of times it just never happens. A lot of times they just kinda come out and they hang around for a bit and then they tag out and like because they didn't you know, they it's like you know, you start off young, but man, you get a little bit older and responsibility kicks in and you got shit to pay for. And it's just, it's just a lot tougher now. So I'm, I'm more into taking what I have and developing those brands laterally into like, you know, with like Zach, like, you know, building his guitar company and building his coffee company and really, and really developing his brand laterally. Those are kind of more of the things that I'm into these days. I'm not really into picking up more bands unless there's something along the lines of you know, already an established business um, that I can contribute to expanding their business laterally as well.
1: Great answer. Here's one from Andre Six. How time-consuming is your work week considering all the different ventures you're active in? Did that change over the years and how? Would you have any tips on how to best use the time energy you have and not burn out? Was that ever an issue for you?
2: Well, I mean, here's the thing. It's like you have to, I don't know if everybody has to, but you have to recognize that this is my own business, right? So I—I I, the only time that I'm not working is when I'm sleeping, which is hardly ever. And so it is stressful because everything is on me right and 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 i'm the one that gets myself up in the morning like no one you know, no one does it for me <laughs> you know i'm I, i'm i'm the one that answers the emails i'm the one that answers the phone calls i'm the one that strategizes like it's it's everything is all on me to make sure that the the employees are getting paid and the money's coming in and the clients are being handled like it, it it's all on me so so in terms of time it's twenty four seven, but in terms of time management, there are things out there that I mean I've definitely done my research and definitely done my trial and error, and um, and you know I'm sure you have your own you know your own styles, but I mean you know there's there's things that you can explore. I mean just you know Google you know time management, and there's there's different things that I use, but I'm I'm a time management guy for sure. You know, there's like the, the GTD system that I use. And, but you know, I mean, it's it, like, dude, you're a time management ninja. Yeah. I mean, I am. And like I said, we could probably do like, this is another thing. We could do a whole nother podcast just on like time management, you know, resources and activation and whatnot. It's just like, but yeah, I, I'm definitely like, I'm definitely a guy. Like I'm just not like all, oh an email come in. I'll answer it now and then figure out what to do with the rest of my day. Like, it ain't that like I answer emails from, <laughs> <laughs> like I answer emails at a certain point of in a certain point of the day. You know what I mean? And then I deal with phone calls at a certain point of the day. And then I deal with my product. Like, it's like it has to be structured. Otherwise, it just gets chaotic.
1: I actually, I got to know your email rhythms. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, though, there's uh, some people may not understand this, but the I'll just answer emails as they come in and then figure out what to do with the rest of my day. Is a very easy path to take in this business. And it is such a bad path to go down because you will get so distracted off the main goal. And before you know it, you spent all day answering emails, some about nothing, most about nothing, and probably dealing with like a crisis or two or three that isn't really a crisis and weird deadlines that have no basis in reality. Where you could have been focused on a goal that's going to actually make you some money.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, Tim Ferriss, man, like, you know, four-hour work four-hour work week, you know, like, I've read that, and granted, his shit is pretty extreme, but there's a lot to take away from that in that, like you said, it's like... A crisis is not a crisis. (laughs) Like an email crisis, whatever it is, will work itself out. It is not, you know what I mean? You don't need it, it. It's like you can quickly become a slave to your inbox, which is fucking deadly. Deadly man and like I highly encourage everyone to get an email system and rhythm worked out or whatever Because if you're a slave to your inbox man, you're you're going down a deadly path like I even Think think about this. You'll get a laugh out of this So the other day like kind of inspired by the sort of the Tim Ferriss method Like I was like I was talking to somebody and I go you know what man like What would happen if I just put an autoresponder on my email that just said I don't email anymore here here's my phone number or you know it, like I only work via phone now like what what if what if I only did business I mean obviously there's certain things that you have to send people via email or whatever but in terms of communication what if I auto-responded. I no longer communicate via email. If you have my phone number, you know how to reach me. I will set up a time and we can discuss from this time to this time and we can knock out business via the phone. What if that happened?
1: I bet you that the communications would be right to the point. Kind of like, uh, have you, you know, in movies where they have that scene with the CEO where like the people go in to pitch an idea for the CEO and they have literally five seconds or like two sentences yeah. to get it done or or he's on to the next thing. Yeah. I think it would be kind of like that, and it would probably be really effective.
2: I think so too, man. Like, not that I'm going to try it, but like, fuck, I wish, like, maybe I will someday.
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I have fantasies about stuff like that. It's a, it's a great, I mean... You know, what I kind of love and I hate email because I feel like when email's working, when it's doing its job, it's fantastic. But when there's a misunderstanding of, because over... And I don't mean a misunderstanding like a fight. I mean, like just like some things are not communicated properly because of the nature of text over... And you're dealing with something important. The amount of time that it adds to the situation where you could have just figured it out voice in like five minutes that that bums me out
2: yeah so i I like
1: your idea (laughs) i mean
2: i just i just feel like conceptually you know the problem with email it's not like it's not like hey man could you send me that mix like that isn't the you know that isn't the problem the problem with email is like a back and forth kind of thing yes where it's like it takes five emails and there's actually an email at the end where i reply back and i say thanks that's a fucking email. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? And and it's like, so conceptually the idea is it's like get on the phone with somebody, hash out the main details, right? And and get to the maybe there's even some brainstorming in there. You come up with something that you wouldn't come up with on your own. You get you know what I mean? You get to the end of that, and then there's an agenda, and then that then that phone call generates one email confirming what whatever it is, right? And then that's it. And it's effective. And then we're done. <laughs> and we're scratching it off the list and moving on to the next one.
1: Dude, I love your emails. They're like so to the point.
2: They have to be. Uh, you know? Who's got fucking time?
1: <laughs> they, sometimes they're just like, okay, confirmed. Yeah. But like, that's all you need. You told me once that uh, you had like the five sentence rule. Do you still go by
2: that? Five sentence. Oh, yeah. Like in an email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. No, no doubt. Like if I can't, yes. And, and if I can't convey what I'm trying to convey in an email in five sentences or less, I should just be picking up the phone and calling that person and talking it out. Right, because it's like, man, who's got who's got the time to like? And granted, yes, like I get it, and sometimes I'll get like, n- you know, negative feedback or whatever. Like, all right. he's so direct in emails. Like he's so it's like it's a fucking email, man. I don't know if it's like if we're conversing, right? I don't I, I don't <laughs> have to put, dear sir, like and da 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 da, and like and I don't have to be all formal. Like it's like we're doing business. You know what I mean like
1: <laughs> I love it. it's just I love that it's right to the point. there's no there there's no confusion there yeah. that's the thing I dislike about email is the confusion. so whenever I work with people who have figured out that the best way to communicate online is in the clearest way possible yes it's a uh, just makes life a lot easier all right and so final question and this one's a little off topic but here's from John Gansner which is with a wide career as yours has been in the music industry what would you say was your favorite role
2: every day i mean man like do you realize i i, I was telling somebody this the other day do you realize how lucky we are to make a living hustling fucking heavy metal like like it's insane it's 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 fucking insane that we do what we do because of heavy metal, (laughs) of all fucking things. Pretty great. Like, every day is the greatest day of my life that heavy metal pays the bills. Like, there is no one moment, man. Every day is a fucking moment. Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) It's
1: really really funny, man, especially when you think about how in this world— it's sometimes easy to forget that it's such a tiny bubble. Yeah, but it really is such a tiny rare bubble and it's so different than how the rest of the world operates. It's really quite an awesome thing.
2: No doubt, man, I mean like it is literally insane. Like you know what we what we are able to do. It, it's insane. Like, no, like, anyone stepping into our shoes would just be like, what, really? This is, this is your guys' lives? Like, man, I gotta fucking, like, get up and go do some bullshit that I hate for, like, eight hours a day, you know? Like, you guys are, like, living the dream. <laughs> so, <laughs> I ain't complaining for nothing.
1: That's great. I Dude, fuck complainers. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that's, that's one of the things that, bummed me out a lot and about i'm complaining about complainers but uh that bummed me out a lot but there's a positive spin to this when i first got into i guess more pro levels and it made me be very selective with who i hung out with and that was a very positive decision to not hang around complainers or people that will drag you down it's uh it's paid dividends in terms of uh me not quitting (laughs) and just having a generally happy life.
2: Yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, cause it's just like anyone listening, man, you're going to be around people that are going to want to drag you down because they don't want to see you succeed because they haven't succeeded, you know? And so you gotta like, first of all, those people are always going to exist. So on one hand, you need to eradicate yourselves from them at all costs, but in the event that you can't just because they're always going to be around and maybe you're married or related to them or whatever. Like you just got to like ignore that shit, man. You got to like, I mean, I, you know, we both wouldn't be here if we listened to everybody that was like, Oh man, like, there's no business in in music, man. There's no business in heavy metal, especially. And there's no, like, no, man. Like, if this is your dream and your passion, like, you gotta, like, you gotta f- go all in. You gotta focus and you gotta, like, be determined and you can't be impatient and, you know, don't feed the fucking haters and don't feed the trolls and just g- go, go for it. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like I get asked all the time, like, what's like, you know, what's, what's your best advice? Just fucking do it, man. Like there, like, it's like, you just, you want to be a producer, be a producer. You want to be a manager, be a manager. You want to be in a fucking band, be in a band. Like just, but stop, stop like analyzing it. Stop thinking about it. Just fucking do it. You know, there's nothing else.
1: Man, it's funny how it's like, just do it. Oh, Nike really stumbled onto some genius there. But there's so much power to that phrase because it really is the hardest part, I think, for a lot of people is to just get out of their own way and just say, fuck it, I'm doing it, and just make the decision that it's going to happen. And what's, what's interesting to me, too, is that obviously there's no guarantees in life. But uh, I don't know a single person that I look up to who didn't at one point in their life say, "I'm doing it. This is what's going down." You know. Yeah.
2: I, they all share that. Yeah. Ha- I mean, look, and it's not like I'm on Easy Street. It's not like I'm just chilling and I got like my toes in the sand and an umbrella and my pineapple drink. Like, like <laughs> I, I have to get up and grind every day. But I, but I love what I do. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm not just spouting off some bullshit advice from my very uh you know from my malibu like high top fucking mansion or whatever like like man like i gotta get up and i gotta grind and i gotta do this every day to maintain but i love what i do and that's that's all there is
1: that's great man and with that i just want to thank you so much for coming on and uh sharing a piece of your mind with our audience and it's been a pleasure talking to you and catching up, as always. And, uh, you know, once again, people listening, check out the Managemental podcast uh, with Blasco and Mike Maori. It will answer lots of your questions about just how this business works and how to approach it. Lots of the stuff that you guys ask us all the time, they have telepathically figured out and uh, answered it. It's a great podcast. You guys should check it out. So thank you, sir.
2: Yes. uh, Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks to all your listeners for uh, tuning in. For sure. The Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast
0: is brought to you by Balaguer Guitars. Founded in 2014, Balaguer Guitars strives to bring modern aesthetics and options to vintage-inspired designs. Go to balaguerguitars.com for more info. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Fishman, inspired performance technology. Fishman is dedicated to helping musicians of all styles achieve the truest sound possible wherever and whenever they plug in go to fishman.com for more info to ask us questions make suggestions and interact visit nailthemix.com podcast and subscribe today